This week on the Sport Blokes. This week, the Aussies capitulate against India, but the BBL heats up. The Buccaneers and Chiefs punch their Super Bowl tickets. The NBL season is soaring already. And this week's Just Not Cricket is straight fire. It sure is. Let's go. Stewie, as we do at the top every week. And geez, it's been another big one. What caught your attention? And what'd you miss? It hasn't half been a massive one. I say it every time. But... It really, really was. Look, really simple thing to start things off, but a really touching tribute as well. So Steph Curry went past Reggie Miller for second all-time in three-point field goals made this week. He'll probably pass Ray Allen next season. Yeah, it was only a matter of time. It really was. Anyway, when he hits the three to tie Reggie, he looked up to the rafters and raised the usual three symbol that he makes with one hand and held up one finger with the other. For 31. 31, very nice. Reggie Miller's playing number with the Pacers, which I thought was a really classy touch from Steph. And the other thing that caught my attention, as the fourth test between India and the Aussies came to an end, a lot of fans probably felt like they needed a drink. (laughs) But this video emerged of a bloke at the test walking up the stairs with one of those plastic four cup holders with four beers in it. So the crowd start chanting, skull, 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 skull. As they do. As they do. And in true Aussie fashion, he smashed one down. The crowd then start chanting, one more, one more. So what else could he do? He takes a second one out, smashes that down. And the crowd just kept going. <laughs> so he's got through the third one. And by this stage, he's actually pulled his shorts down. So he's basically doing it in speedos. And he did polished off the third and the fourth one as well. So yeah, that was uh, something quite interesting. How I wonder pissed- if, are they full strength at the Gabba? I wonder if they're full strength at the Gabba. What, what part of the match was it as well? Well, I've, I've no was idea. Was he drinking his sorrows? Well, oh, okay. I have yeah. no idea, but yeah. But how pissed would his mates be when he comes back empty-handed? I'd say he just turned around and went and got another four, probably. It probably had to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it's yeah. it's quite different to that bloke that was drinking really slow that got kicked out for drinking too slow. Yes, very true. Polar opposite. He might get kicked out for drinking too fast. <laughs> <laughs> how about yourself, mate? Well, I've got a couple of things. I've got a serious and I've got a funny. Which what order do you want me to do it in? Oh, serious first. Got to right, finish well, with a funny. So, Stewie, I was watching the uh, Louisville Duke game yesterday, and Louisville had a win. And their court is excellent, by the way. It used to just have the cardinal head. Now it's got the whole cardinal body doing a dunk. It's it's a oh, really cool. Awesome. It's a really cool court. But anyway, get this. This is the first time since 1961 that neither Duke nor Kentucky have been in the top 20 this late in the season. And if you rewind it back just under a week. That included North Carolina too, but recent wins against Wake Forest. Carolina State, yeah. Oh, and NC State has meant that they have climbed into the top 20. But that's remarkable. To not have Duke or Kentucky in the top 20 this late is is very rare indeed. But I, I, I love the underdog, so I like to see that. I've just looked up that Louisville court. That is freaking sick. Yeah, man. it's great, isn't it? <laughs> it's yeah. so good. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was a decent game too. But uh, yeah, the Blue Devils, 500. So there you go. Come on, give us a funny one. My funny one, my funny one is Kendrick Perkins' son playing junior basketball, and I don't know how old he is, but he is a beast amongst the other kids. Like there was, oh, sh- he's nine, isn't he? Is he nine? Is that okay? Yeah. I showed the footage to you where he like just wrestled the ball from a tiny oh. kid that like. He's bigger than we were like he's a beast. at 15 or 16. He is a beast. And he's got a decent handle for a big guy too. But it's so funny when he did that little layup and then he was like strutting and like did the little, you yeah, know, Russell puffed West- out the Russell chest. Westbrook rocked yeah. the baby. Oh, he so didn't even post anyone up. He just had a layup. <laughs> oh, oh, so yeah, that definitely caught my attention. It's funny. I think it was Marcus Spears on Get Up was saying that when he was a kid, he was so big that his parents used to bring his birth certificate to the game to prove to the other parents that he wasn't cheating. So, yeah. What'd you miss, mate? 
Well, sadly, I actually caught bugger all of the NBL games over the last few days. I know you've actually been keeping up with them quite well, so that's a good thing. Oh, yeah, I tried. I tried. But, uh, yeah, I was kind of restricted to highlights for most of them. But I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing so far. Some really great highlights. Oh, so the far. season started spectacularly yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. yeah really Would you have. miss, Nath? Well, I haven't watched any NBA last week, so I'm all in on the NFL. I had to catch up a little bit. I watched all the divisional round games. Uh, and, you know, this is fairly common for American people they kind of they don't even pay attention to the nba till christmas and then they'll start following the nba really close after the super bowl and i kind of follow that pattern i gotta say because there's so much going on there's cricket in the australian summer and the nba and all this so yeah i haven't watched much nba but i have kept an eye on those box scores and we'll definitely talk about those nets Mm, yes we will just hopefully not every bloody week yeah true because they are you know they're going to be like that but anyway news roundup shui yeah, look, we managed to get a couple of episodes in this year without any of these, but unfortunately, we've had a pretty big passing in American sports. Baseball icon Hank Aaron has passed away peacefully in his sleep two weeks shy of his 87th birthday, so pretty good inning. Decent knock, yeah. yeah. Yep. So for people that don't know much about him, Aaron currently ranks second all-time in home runs with 755, trailing only Barry Bonds. And if you don't include people that use steroids, he's first all-time in home runs. This would be very true. Yeah, yeah. He also ranks first in RBIs with 2,297, although Albert Pujols is less than 200 behind him. He also sits third all-time in hits with 3,771, trailing only Ty Cobbs and Hammond Druthers hero, Pete Rose. Oh, there you go. Yes, oh, Hammond Brothers. Yeah, I had to to look it up. (laughs) Very good. Yeah, very good. He was a 25-time All-Star, National League MVP, World Series champion in 1957, three-time Golden Glove winner, a Hall of Famer. It's also brought the Atlanta Braves renaming issue back to the forefront. Ah. Calls that they should name them the Atlanta Hammers as Aaron spent nine seasons there. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah. So, uh, you know, hopefully something good can come from his passing and yes, you know, indeed. may yeah. he rest in peace. And he finished up with the Brewers, I believe, as well, but played most of his seasons in Atlanta. Yeah, he started with the Brewers and yeah. he finished with oh, them. Oh, that's so, the other so way, they, right. So right. they bookended his career. Right, right, right. It was interesting. I heard uh, Mike Wilbon on PTI saying that he was his hero as an adult. Mm. So he wasn't his hero as a kid, but as an adult, because he did so much for the civil rights movement and he was just a, an all-around great guy. Apparently best mates with Bud Selig, the MLB commissioner too. Oh, cool. Which I didn't know. So yeah, that is a sad passing. It is. There's been a lot lately. There really has. But that's what time does. It does. Yeah. It does. Now, I believe we've got a little bit of an update on these Tokyo Olympics. Well, I think we do. So it's really interesting because on Friday, there were early reports saying that they were going to be cancelled. And the early news was, and I think I even said, I can't remember if I said to you or not, but like, okay, it looks like they're going to be cancelled. And then later that day, it's like, no, no, they're not going to be cancelled. They're going to be the first FIFO Olympics. So, Basically, so yeah. everyone's going to be wearing high vis, steel cap boots, and helmets. <laughs> That'd be good. Yeah, can you imagine running the hurdles in steel cap boots? But um, yeah, so apparently now the competitors are going to fly in shortly before, do a little quarantine, not like our fourteen days, I don't think, but a little quarantine do their events and then fly back out again and, and go back home. So it certainly won't have the, uh, I guess, prestige or, or the, the feeling glamour. or the glamour or anything that normal Olympics have, but apparently it will still go ahead. So the IOC are adamant that they'll go ahead as scheduled on July 23, but polls in Japan suggest that 80% of the locals don't want them to go ahead because the cases over there are worse now than they were this time last year. Or, or around Olympic time, what would have been Olympic time last year. So, yeah. This will be a fucking disaster. 
I'm just I'm calling it now. Yeah, well, there's nothing quite like it, is there? I mean, we've got sports leagues that are fairly local geographically. Okay, there might be US and Canada together, for example, or Australia and New Zealand in the case of the NBL and the NSL or the A-League. Jeez, I'm dating myself. You are a bit. Yeah. It uh, shows how much I like soccer. Uh, but, but you're right. I mean, all these different people coming in from all around the world, it really does have the potential oh, to be a, an absolute shit show. It, it, I would be surprised if it was anything other than that. Yeah. Yep. Speaking of shit show, <laughs> I'm going to talk quickly about Margaret Court's Order of Australia. This has been one of the most controversial stories of the week. So Margaret Court is set to have her Order of Australia upgraded to the companion of the Order of Australia. For anyone who's not aware of this, there are four levels of the Order of Australia, the highest being the companion of the Order of Australia. So individuals are appointed this honour for eminent achievement and merit of the highest degree in service to Australia or to humanity at large. Now, absolutely no debate over the eminent achievement part. She's won 24 Grand Slams, the most of any tennis player of all time, male or female. Yep. 11 of those at the Australian Open too. So she's won as many as she could close to home. Yes. But where the controversy comes from is the service to Australia or to humanity at large part. Now, I read a brilliant article by Clara Tuck-Meng-Su, who was given a medal of the Order of Australia in 2016 for service to the Canberra community and as a medical practitioner. In it, Clara says... The Council for the Order of Australia will be aware of the controversies about the many derogatory and very hurtful remarks the court has made about the LGBTIQ plus community and its supporters over many years. By giving this promotion to her now, the council is sending a strong signal that discrimination and prejudice yeah. are not only tolerated, but honoured in our Australian yeah. community. Yeah, it's remarkable. It's it's bizarre. And actually. she also mentions that someone being given this honor should be a role model. She's actually giving hers back. Just, yeah, it's disgraceful. I mean, after the controversy surrounding the cricket in Sydney, where a lot of people around the world are talking about Australia as being a nation of racists, could the timing of this be any worse? Oh, it's tone deaf, isn't it? It's, it's really unbelievable. Is. And there's no pressure for it. Like no one, there's no groundswell of public support saying we need to bump Margaret Court up to the highest yeah. order of Australia. That, well, that's it. It's not, it's, yeah. th there's no, there's no time issue. It doesn't matter if it's done this year or 10 years down the track. Exactly. If it's done posthumously, it doesn't yep. matter. Like it doesn't have to be now. And you're so right. It is so tone deaf to be doing it right this second given the, the current climate. It, it is just absurd. So from one political disgrace to yeah. yet another one, Cleek Keller. Yeah, that's right, Joey. So, Former gold medalist Clint Keller, he's won a couple, he's won a couple of other medals too at three different Olympics, has been charged with obstructing law enforcement, knowingly entering or remaining in a restricted building or grounds without lawful authority, and violent entry and disorderly conduct for, of course, I don't know, what do we want to call it? The coup, the insurgency on the Capitol building. Uh, but get this, not only did he participate in this horrible thing that is causing this existential crisis in the United States and, and has people worried about civil war, he was wearing his Olympic jacket when he did so. I'm surprised he didn't have his name embroidered on the back. He may as well have. Back. Oh, it's, it's incredible. And, and I don't know if you saw, but there were people that like were wearing their work badges and oh. like their swipe cards from work and work t-shirts. And like, what the fuck are these people thinking? I mean, the, I mean, the FBI have got no idea what they're doing. There's no way they would be able to oh. pick up on blatantly obvious stuff. Like, I mean, of course the FBI is going to pick them up on that stuff. It's ridiculous. It's bizarre. It is bizarre. The well, temerity of them. But what else would you expect from fans of Trump? <laughs> well, so, there you mm. go. All right, finally, some good news, Stewie. We've got a couple of good news stories now. We do. So 
we've actually had a Guinness World Record broken in the soccer with the longest goal ever scored. Now, when I was researching this, I started searching for Guinness Record Longest, and of course, Google Auto filled to Guinness Record Longest Fart. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, this world. <laughs> but we had a new record set this week with Newport County's goalkeeper, Tom King, scoring a goal from 96 metres oh, out. Oh, it's nuts. During a one-all draw with Cheltenham Town, he absolutely roosted one from a goal kick, which has bounced to the edge of the 16-yard box, bounced over the head of opposition keeper Joshua Griffiths into the goals. The previous record by then Stoke City keeper Asmir Begovic of 92 metres stood for about seven years after he scored 13 seconds into a game against Southampton. That's nuts. Any time a keeper scores, no matter whether it's a header... At oh, yeah, the game, yeah, 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 yeah. If or, he leaves, yeah, yeah, that's right. Something yeah. as ridiculous as this, it is something to... Behold, yeah. Something to behold, yeah. something to, to celebrate. Absolutely. This is amazing. Yeah. It really yeah. is. When you said Guinness record for longest, I thought you were going to bring up a John Dillamans, uh, a John Dillamans stat there, Stewie. Oh, dear, mate. No, there's there's none of that, thankfully. But uh, no, as I said, it's a good news story. Speaking of good news stories, we've got some great news for Dennis Rodman's daughter. Yeah, that's right. Trinity Rodman has become the youngest player ever to be drafted into the National Women's Soccer League in the United States. The 18-year-old was picked number two. So hats really? off to her. And I guess... Sure, you could probably spend an entire show talking about all the uh, offspring of famous athletes. You can think of Serge and, and Steve Silvani, for example, or there's a ton of them in the NBA. So Dell and Steph Curry. Uh, there's a lot of young guys coming up. Scotty Pippen's kids coming up. Dwayne Wade's kids coming up. LeBron James's kids coming up. Cole Anthony is Greg Anthony's son. Kenyon Martin Jr.'s. Yeah, there's a, a lot of, of NBA of ones. Nice Keanu Pinder, of course. Kendall Tiny Pinder's dad as well in the NBL there. The so fro we, the Frolings as well. The Frolings, we'll talk about them. Yeah, this time, like I say, we could go on that. Yeah. yeah, but uh, hats off to to Trinity Rodman. Mm. Hopefully, she'll have a good career. Yeah, drafted twenty five spots ahead of where her dad was in the nineteen eighty six draft as well. So oh, there, there you go. go. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize he was drafted into the women's soccer league. Oh, God. He did wear that. He did wear that wedding dress. <laughs> he that, did wear the wedding yeah. dress. <laughs> and he had the navel piercing as well. Oh, there you go. Okay. Come on, you blokes. You know more than just sport. Well, sure, yeah, just not cricket this week. It is the weird and wonderful once again. This one comes from Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop. What a name for a company. <laughs> when her This Smells Like My Orgasm candle, oh, God. retailing at US $75 a pop, exploded in a woman's house. An actual explosion. Yes, yeah, so we'll wax lyrical about this one. Uh, I quote Vanity Fair. Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina-scented candle wrought havoc on the life of one British woman when her little bit of mood lighting turned into a roaring blaze. Jodie Thompson of Kilburn, North London, told The Sun that she won the anatomically inspired home good in an online quiz, but got more than she bargained for when she went to light it. The candle exploded and emitted huge flames with bits flying everywhere, she said. I've never seen anything like it. The whole thing was ablaze and it was too hot to touch. There was an inferno in the room. Geez, that really does sound like Gwyneth Paltrow's orgasm. <laughs> Oh, jeez! Can we just go back a quick second before you keep going? Did you ever think that you would say the words "I'm quoting Vanity Fair" here? No, not on not on the sport. Like literally ever? No, 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 probably not. No, no. But I didn't think I'd ever be talking about exploding vagina cat. There's a lot of things I didn't expect to be doing, Stewie. This is true. Yeah, but uh, so it's made with tart grapefruit, narrowly ripe cassis berries, blended with gunpowder tea and Turkish rose absolutes for a scent that's sexy, surprising, and wildly addictive. Whoa, 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 whoa. 
Gunpowder tea. Yeah. Yeah, we've come to the bottom of this one. Yeah. Cum being the operative word. Oh, dear. Yeah. Right. There's, there's actually Move no, no gunpowder in gunpowder tea for the record. It <laughs> no, we did. It looks like gunpowder. We did, <laughs> we did research. We did silly, research that. But, but what the hell? Oh, she is a quite an interesting character. So, to Gwyneth Paltrow and her goop vagina candles, I say... It's just not cricket. So we've already talked about Margaret Court, Stewie, but there are more updates in the Australian open world. Yeah, just a real quick update this week, because I'm guessing there's going to be a lot more going on closer to the start. But it's been, yeah, another farcical week in the lead up to what I assume is the cancellation of the Australian Open, the way it's going. Uh, well, no, it's, it's looking okay. But yeah, I think it will go ahead. No, but, yeah. It's all right. yeah. but no, Andy Murray's officially done. Bernard Tomic's missus apparently can't shampoo her own hair. Paul... What? Oh, did you not see that? No. She was, kidding. she was complaining, saying the hardest part about lockdown was having to wash her own hair oh, because she's got somebody who does it for her twice a week. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. All right. Yes. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. yeah, it's really like prison, this uh, oh, quarantine. It's horrible. By the way, I spoke to a mate today who's one week in, in here in Perth and he said that it hasn't been that bad. No. And that the staff's been really good, the food's been really good. Yeah, he Granted, can, he's he, not a tennis player. And but, he can probably shampoo his own hair. Well, he can. He's capable. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. yeah. Then we had Paula Badoza from Spain who was pissing and moaning about having to quarantine when no one in her team was positive, then proceeded to test give positive, positive test <laughs> yeah. a couple of days later. She walked that one back. She really did. Oh, that she was really fantastic. did. Then you had French woman Elise Cornet who whinged about it, but luckily avoided the virus. So a lot of whinging from that part of the world. Spain's Roberto Batista Agut said the quarantine was like jail with Wi-Fi. Yes, yes. It's amazing this is coming from Spaniards. We have a good friend of ours in Spain at the moment. Yeah, they're not doing it easy. He's having a really tough time with the lockdown. Shout out. Shout out, definitely. So once the two weeks up, they're going to have all this freedom they didn't get at home. So it's it's not really fair. But amazingly, the weirdest story isn't even entirely COVID-related. Ukrainian Diana Yastremska tested positive for mesterolone metabolite a banned anabolic agent back on the 7th of January. Not surprisingly, she denied knowledge of it. Yes. She was so certain she would be cleared to play, though, that she flew to Melbourne and is quarantining for the Australian Open, but her application for her provisional suspension to be lifted was denied this week. So she can't play. Oh, wow. Worse still, Tennis Australia paid for her flight and her quarantine. Oh. Lord knows why, why she was allowed to travel. I have yeah. no idea. But, Stewie, there's a really important question. Can she shampoo her own hair? Uh, well, uh, maybe. I mean, she's, she's got a lot of time to do, she, yeah, to learn if she, yeah, yeah. yeah there'll be, there'll yeah. probably be uh, YouTube tutorials by Ben Atomic's missus by the end of all of this. So, no, it's uh, it's been a really, really unusual week, and I'm sure there'll be plenty more over the next. But the, the other crazy thing about this that does have it related to COVID is that there's a photo that's emerged of Yastremska on this plane over with Svetlana Kuznetsova, the Russian tennis player, mm. walking around the plane freely without a mask on. Mm. So, yep, yep, it's just not tennis. No, no, interesting times ahead. Mm. So now time to move on to the NFL. Championship games have just been completed today. They sure have, and as you mentioned, both the Chiefs and the Bucks have punched their ticket to the Super Bowl. Yeah, well done last week. On yeah, the I, know. Tips, I know, right? That was way off. <laughs> Although it's got to be said, apparently the odds with the four teams were very, very close. Oh, so yeah. even the bookmakers didn't have a great idea. And and apparently they were some of the closest odds for the final four teams. There's normally one team that kind of gets there by surprise. And yeah, so, but no, I was way off and I'll put my hand up for that one. Yeah, I'm not as excited now, I've got to be honest, about these teams. Because <laughs> Tom Brady made it. Yeah, bloody Tom Brady. 
But anyway, okay, we got we got to go back. We got to go back because there's a bit of fallout from last week. So, so uh, some really interesting stuff about that touchback stuff from the Cleveland Kansas City game. And first of all, removing the fact that yes, there was helmet to helmet contact, and yes, it should be challengeable, and yes, it would have been a penalty had they done that correctly. There's been some really interesting comments about the touchback rule. Now we've kind of said, oh, it's a bit unfair and whatever. But Dominic Foxworth said, this is one of the few rules that actually favor the defense, which is a fair point because it's really become an offensive game in today's day and age. Mm -hmm. It is hard to be a defender in the NFL. So I found that to be an interesting insight. Mm, It is. Nora Princiotti from, I think it was from NFL Live, was saying, just don't fumble there. Don't extend your arm. You know, if you don't extend your arm, you're at the one and you have a fresh set of downs. Well, that's a bit rough. I mean, he's probably not expecting helmet-to-helmet contact. No, no, that's so, true. That's, uh, yeah. that's true. That's true. But it, w- it was an interesting point. And, and apparently she was mentioning a time when um, Ryan Tannehill for Tennessee actually extended his arm and he scored a touchdown. But then on the sideline, the coaching staff were yelling at him. So there are teams that coach to say that touchback is dangerous. Take the one. Take the one. Yeah, Run out okay. of bounds. Take the, you know. So, yeah, so that okay. was interesting. So I'm prepared to maybe change my stance a little bit on that one. But definitely helmet to helmet, pretty much everything should be reviewable. Yeah, agreed. We're we're definitely on the same page there. So I thought that was interesting fallout. And just quickly, Stewie, some retirement news. Philip Rivers has hung up the cleats after 17 seasons in the NFL, 16 of them with the San Diego Chargers, one with my Colts this year, and he did a decent job. He ranked fifth in passing yards with 63,440 and also fifth in touchdowns with 421. Both of which actually the most by any quarterback who didn't have a Super Bowl appearance. That's true. Yeah, mm. that's true. So he had a very, very good career and he should be a Hall of Famer. But yes, he did a, that Super Bowl did elude him. But only five and seven in the playoffs never made the Super Bowl, as we mentioned. So yes. a, bit of a, a bit of a regular season rivers, unfortunately. Yes, that's true. That's true. But a great career nonetheless. Very good. And uh, a very interesting and entertaining guy. Could end up in the broadcast booth, I mm. suggest. Okay. Today... The first game was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As I said, they went into Green Bay and full credit to them. They got a win. Uh, I did watch that game. I didn't unfortunately get to watch the other game. I had annual leave today because I wanted a four-day weekend, Australia Day tomorrow. Smart. I hope to watch both games. Unfortunately, I didn't get to watch the Bills Chiefs. I will watch it later this week. I got to watch a fair bit of that. Yeah, so that's good. So between us, we got to see pretty much all of it together. It's, It's a really interesting one. Tampa Bay, Tom Brady didn't play spectacularly well. I did go back and I watched the Bucks and Saints game. Drew Brees did not look good at all. There's a lot of talk that he might be done. But Tom Brady didn't look much better. And he didn't look great today either. He had three interceptions today. And I've got a great stat. So in his previous 392 attempts, Tom Brady had not thrown an interception on the road. Then he threw three and seven passes. Wow. Yeah, so if you told me that Tom Brady would have three interceptions this game, let alone this postseason, yeah. I, I wouldn't have believed that they would have gone into Lambeau Field and had a win. But sure enough, they did. So to me, probably, well, there are a couple of key plays, but one really key play in the middle of the game was at the end of the second quarter. So they were third and fairly long. Tom Brady nearly threw a pick. I can't remember who the Packers player it was that dropped it. He never should have dropped it. It was an absolute sitter. Instead of going for the field goal on fourth down and there was bugger all time left, so it was kind of a free play, they went for the touchdown and sure enough, they scored it. And that seven points heading into the, into the halftime break was bloody huge. Then the other one was at the very end of the game with the Packers down a couple of scores 
Aaron Rodgers had a chance to potentially run it in on third down, didn't, threw a pass to Devontae Adams, who played pretty well, unfortunately didn't complete the pass, and then they decided to do a chip shot field goal in hopes that their defense would stop Tampa Bay and get the ball back. They never did. Yeah, that was a, a really weird one. I mean, obviously, I, I, I did see that. Yeah, Rogers could have cartwheeled in on third down and scored the touch. No, I mean, obviously not quite that. No, dramatic. and look, guys can close pretty quickly, but geez, he looked like he had an open. If, he, so, if, he, if he'd taken the angle in towards the, the corner flag, he'd have made it, I yeah. guarantee. Yeah, he would have been very close. Yeah, even, very close. Even if his age, he'd have yeah, made it. Yeah. And then you're right, on the fourth down, why they didn't go for it on fourth? Well, they trusted their defense, but they shouldn't have because they never got the ball back. Never even got close. But the interesting thing is, apparently, so I've heard a little bit of post-game chatter. Apparently, Aaron said that he didn't know that they weren't going to go for it on fourth down. And if he'd known that, on that third down play, he might have tried to run it in. Yeah, He thought they were going to go... He he assumed they were going to go for it on fourth down. And they should have, in my opinion. That makes sense. They really should have. And now this talk, Aaron Rodgers may not be going back to Green Bay. They drafted a quarterback in the first round last offseason. Where would he go, though, Nathan? Well, the Colts have been mentioned. Look, I don't think it'll happen. I think they will keep him. But, geez, we'd love him at Indy. We are ready for win now. Phil Rivers is retired, as I mentioned. We, yeah, we would love Aaron Rodgers in a Colts uniform. Love it. Yeah. So I guess there's a couple of things to come out of this for Tom Brady. Obviously, I know you're not a big fan. I'm not the biggest fan of his either, to be honest, but we've got to recognize greatness. Oh, yeah, of course. So he's going to his 10th Super Bowl, which is the most all-time. And the first player to do so in both conferences. Yep. Stephen Goskowski, the old Patriots kicker, is the next on the list with six. So he'll be four Super Bowls clear of that. Yep. John Elway's the only other quarterback with five. He'd also be the first player in NFL history to win Super Bowls across three decades, which is incredible. And he has a bloody good chance because the Super Bowl is in Tampa Bay the first time ever a team will be hosting a Super Bowl virtually. So exactly. it's... it's uh, Jeez, I'll tell you what, it's the, t- the table is set for him. Yeah, the, the stars have really aligned. Oh, they, they really have. They really have. But standing in his way. That's right. The Kansas City Chiefs have done it again. And look, full credit to them. I did watch the Kansas City-Cleveland game. By the way, I also watched the Pittsburgh-Cleveland game, as I mentioned. I had to see that first quarter where the Browns scored 28 points, the record for most points in a playoff game. To score 28 points in a quarter of, of football at any time is crazy. But to do it on the road in a playoff game is quite remarkable. Um, anyway, so KC only just scraped through that Cleveland team last week. Chad Henney was the hero. They got a win thanks to him. But not only did Mahomes get that horrible concussion, he also hurt his big toe. Now, I've, I don't know about you, but I've broken my big toe before. I could barely walk. Mm. It was on his left foot, his plant foot. That's really important for throwing yeah, as a quarterback. He did not look good. So there was a time between injuring his foot and the concussion. So I got to see him play with the injured foot, but not the concussion for a while. And he didn't look that good. So full credit to him on a week's rest after a concussion. And by the way, the AFL's brought in a rule where if you get a concussion, you can't play for another 10 days. So, I think that's a good that's a good thing. But yeah, well, if that were if that were here, he wouldn't he wouldn't have played in this game. So so that's really interesting. But we'll, I mean, we'll talk about we'll that get more there. Down, yeah, down, we'll get there in the future. Track, There's yeah. plenty of time to come back to the AFL. Uh, but yeah, so absolutely, 325 yards. He had three touchdowns. And look, it's got to be said by the looks of it, Buffalo weren't terrible. They scored the first nine points of the game. Josh Allen had nearly 300 yards passing and nearly 100 yards rushing. So he played okay. But you saw you actually saw a decent amount of the game. What do you make of it? Oh, look, I mean, Mahomes, it didn't look like he had any sort of concussion issues at all. You mentioned, obviously, some of his numbers, 29 of 38 pass completion as well, which is elite. He just, 
his decision making is so quick. That's that's what blew me away. Was every time the ball was snapped to him, it was like he already knew where the blitz was coming from or or where the tacklers were were, were going to come at him, and the ball was gone. Yep. It's those great players, it's like in any sport, they see the play before it happens and they're just a step ahead, aren't they? They do. I mean, you saw the little underhand Yeah, 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 the little, yeah, the little shovel pass to Travis, to Travis Kelsey. Kelsey. Yeah. And mean, Kelsey was a monster, wasn't he? He was. I'll get to him in a, in a second. But, you know, some other really, really key stats, six of 10 on third downs, which is exceptional. Yeah, yep, yep, that's good conversion. He only allowed one sack all game. They only punted once. That's their first postseason punt since the first half of last year's Super Bowl as well. So they're not a team that punts. They move those chains really, really well. Speaking of KC, I actually remember a game between the Colts and the Chiefs way back in the day. It might have even been the year we won, around 07. It might have been the year before, where there wasn't a punt in the entire game. Wow. Yeah, great for you. Yeah, yeah. that would be brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry. That's no, okay. I mean, they, yeah, they scored a touchdown off every red zone drive too, if I, if I remember correctly as well. So... Yeah, look, he was just a class above. And as you mentioned, Josh Allen was superb. He yeah, he, he ran the ball incredibly well. His passing wasn't quite as good as Mahomes, but I mean, who's his really at the yeah, moment? Well, let's, yeah, let's yeah, be fair. Yeah. And he did have his streak of postseason pass attempts without an interception to start a career snapped. Yep. It's quite a, a mouthful, that one. But <laughs> uh, it was broken eight short of the record held by... Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. So, yeah, really amazing performance by him. As you mentioned, Travis Kelsey was magnificent. Tied a record for the most catches by a tight end in the playoffs with 13. Darrell Williams, who's an undrafted running back, was superb as well. In the absence of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, yep. Yep, they trusted him with some of the biggest carries of the game and he just kept moving those chains forward. I mean, he was constantly hitting those 7 to 11. Pays to have a good offensive line. It, It really does. And so what we're left with is a couple of really interesting things moving forward. The last team to go back-to-back, as you mentioned last week, was Tom Brady's 04 and 05 Patriots. The 05 team that they defeated was the Philadelphia Eagles, who were coached by... Andy Reid, coach of the current Chiefs. Coach of the Chiefs. So he's actually got a really good chance for revenge in a couple of weeks' time. It's also a matchup of the last two Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. So there's a lot of really cool stories. Here. Oh, and it's basically a changing of the guard game. You know, it's the quarterback who's been the best for the last 20 years to the guy who's probably going to be the next best for the last, next next 20 years, you know, 15 years. I was actually thinking about this before. There's a bit of a similarity between Mahomes and Steph Curry when you think about it in terms oh, of oh, interesting. they've revolutionized the way that certain parts of the games are being played. I mean, obviously we know that Steph Curry revolutionized the game in terms of bringing in so much three-point shooting. Yep. Mahomes was one of many guys to bring in the huge running aspects to the, to the quarterbacks. They just, yeah, they're just these guys that are amazingly successful doing things slightly differently. And I, I yeah, I mean, I'm loving watching what he's doing. <laughs> He's just a sensational player. And yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, he really is. But one thing I did notice just to round this out, you obviously already mentioned that Tampa Bay is going to host this the first time ever that a team playing in the Super Bowl will host it. Which and is- they have a great stadium, by the way. They've got this great big um, pirate ship. It's really cool. Yeah, but obviously they have the inferior record out of the two, which makes it a bit sucky. But tickets are on sale. They're selling like crazy. In fact, they've probably already sold out by now. They would have gone in a couple of minutes. The average price is around twelve and a half thousand US dollars. Average. Average. Yeah, that's nuts. I read. Now there'd be limited capacity because of COVID. There would. But uh, yeah. But I, I read somewhere that somebody bought four tickets on the fifty-yard line 
for a million bucks, 160, 160 grand, which <laughs> yeah, is still well, a lot yeah, of money yeah, for a football game. Nuts. I mean, it's nuts. it's nuts. So. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, we look forward to talking about this in a couple of weeks' time. But it's yeah, it was a great, great week. And by the way, great last little time for Tampa, ice hockey, baseball, and now the NFL. If they had an NBA team. And now, this week in sport history. January 25th, 1924, the first Winter Olympic Games opened in Chamonix, France. This was in the days that the Summer and Winter Olympic Games were held in the same year, which changed in 1992. The following day, American skater Charles Dutraw would claim the first ever Winter Olympic gold medal, winning the 500-metre speed skating event in 44 seconds flat. The record now belongs to Russia's Pavel Kolesnikov at just 33.61 seconds. Interestingly, on the 30th of January, Gillis Grofstrom of Sweden took out the men's figure skating gold medal, becoming the first person to successfully defend his Summer Olympic title at the Winter Olympic Games, having won the event at Antwerp Summer Games of 1920. That is a fantastic stat. Isn't it crazy? There was only one women's event, so a lot has changed for the good. The ladies figure skating, which was won by Herma Zabo of Austria. As I've mentioned previously, Stewie, those Winter Olympic Games are not attractive for countries hosting anymore, are they? Yeah, bugger all countries seem to want them. Yeah. I actually read a really interesting article, though, from 2018. It made a case for Australia and New Zealand to co-host. Australia do all the indoor stuff like the ice hockey, the curling, figure skating, etc. And New Zealand have the Southern Alps, so they can take care of all the skiing and snowboarding events. That'd be quite an interesting little event, or big event, I should say, but... January 26, 1960, Burnsville High School basketball sensation Danny Heater scores a high school record 135 points in a 173-43 spanking of Wyden High in rural Braxton County. A college player named Jack Taylor, actually, of Grinnell College, pulled in 138 in 2012 in a college game. But anyway. Yeah, I saw that. That was nuts. This was actually all a ploy from head coach Jack Stalnaker to get Danny some exposure in the hopes of getting him a scholarship somewhere. A lot of the college scouts wouldn't actually travel out to Braxton, so you know this was something that would maybe make the newspaper. That'll catch your attention. So to set the scene of the whole thing, though, the court they played on was about 17 feet short of regulation. What? So not particularly great. It's about 20% short. Wow. There were no bleachers or seats for the fans, and the ceiling was so low that players had to be careful the jump shots didn't hit some of the equipment that was attached to the ceiling. That's not a record then, is it? Well, I mean, he's still... Uh, yeah. <laughs> they also didn't have a scoreboard so the fans actually had to keep track of the progress <laughs> using the official score sheet it's insane but uh, Danny made 53 of 70 field goals at nearly 76% 29 of 41 free throws so he left quite a few points there and he took his tally from 55 at halftime to that 135 score even the opposing team's cheerleaders were cheering him on at one stage he also had 32 rebounds and seven assists, so he nearly had a 135-point wow. triple-double. Wow. The scouts came to watch him next week, unsurprisingly, but he sprained his ankle on a jump ball early in the game, only scored 27, and the scouts never came back, labelling him slow. He did actually get a scholarship to the University of Richmond, though, and he lasted six weeks before going home. Oh, well, there you go. Mm. Yeah, well, maybe playing on those full-size courts uh, was, <laughs> was too much for him, yeah. Yeah, he probably had shitty fitness. January 27th, 1995, striker Eric Cantona of Manchester United is banned after assaulting Crystal Palace fan Matthew Simmons during a one-all draw at Selhurst Park for calling him a, quote, foreigner. It was also alleged that Simmons called Cantona's mother a French whore and Cantona snapped, kind of unsurprisingly, launching a two-footed kung fu kick at the chest of Simmons, this footage is amazing, before getting back to his feet and throwing a right hook. Funnily enough, about a minute before that, Cantona had been sent off for a kick to Palace's Richard Shaw and the commentator remarked, there's the morning headline. 
Yeah, not quite, mate. Cantona was banned for eight months, fined 20,000 pounds, and sentenced to 14 days in prison, which was later reduced on appeal to 120 hours community service. Manchester United would lose the league to Blackburn Rovers by one solitary point, drawing one all with the lowly West Ham United and failing to take advantage of the Rovers losing 2-1 to Liverpool. Yeah, that was a crazy last day. I actually still remember watching that with the old man. Yeah, watch that footage. It's nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. January 30th, 1934, Victorian Bert Ironmonger ends his Sheffield Shield career at the ripe age of 51 years and 298 days. <sighs> this is an absolutely fascinating guy. Made his test debut for Australia at 46 years and 253 days. Amazingly, the fourth oldest debutant. <laughs> James Southerton of England played his first test at 49 years and 119 days. To Different this. times, yeah. They really were. Not surprisingly, because of his age, he only played 14 tests, but he still took 74 wickets at less than 18, including match figures of 11 for 24 against South Africa in the fifth test of the 31-32 series, which the Aussies won by an innings and 72 runs, despite only making 153 themselves. Can I say it again? Yeah. Different times. Different times. He also holds the record for the oldest player to take a fifer, a sixfer, and a sevenfer in a match. And at 49 years and 311 days, is the oldest player to take 10 wickets in a match. None of those records will be broken. Never. Never. Absolutely not. What makes this achievement even more amazing is the fact that he lost his forefinger on his spinning hand when he was a child. Wow. And finally, another one going back into the uh, history books as well. January 31st, 1927, Major League Baseball National League President John Heidler rules that Rogers Hornsby can't hold stock in the St. Louis Cardinals and play for the New York Giants simultaneously. Hornsby was traded to the Giants after being a player manager with the Cardinals the year before and leading them to a seven-game win over the Yankees, funnily enough, after Hornsby tagged out Babe Ruth trying to steal second base in the ninth innings for the final out. As I said to you in an email, Stewie, this is like almost the definition of no shit Sherlock. Like to take it to court, to think that you could play for a team and it's... Yeah, slight, slight yeah. conflict of yeah, interest. Yeah, just a little. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> what, a, what a crazy, crazy week. Indeed. This week in sport history. So, Stewie, unfortunately, as you mentioned, you haven't got to watch as much of the games as you'd liked in the NBL, but it is now very much in full swing and there's already some things of note to keep our eyes on. Yeah, can I just start this by saying how disgusted I am that the timeouts are being sponsored by TikTok? <laughs> I, knew, I knew you'd have a, something to say about well, it. I know usually this would be the whole, oh, Stu doesn't like this sort of platform. But we're talking about a platform in the past year that has spawned things like the Skull Breaker Challenge, the Cereal Challenge, where people eat cereal out of each other's mouths and right. basically try not to, not to sort of die from that. But... The reason I have a problem with this is there was actually a 10-year-old in Italy who died yesterday as part of an asphyxiation challenge from TikTok. Right. And I just feel like this is so irresponsible from the league because so many of the people watching this sport are impressionable young children. And if they're being constantly told, yeah, go on TikTok, it's it's great, more people are going to die like this. It's honestly... It... Well, where do you draw the lines, Stewie? Should Hungry Jack's not be the sponsor because of uh, you know morbid uh, obesity? that well i think that's a long bow i don't think hungry jacks are telling you to put a bag over your head and stop breathing like yeah but uh, how many what percentage of tiktok videos would be dodgy versus there's been a good lot of fun there's been a lot of deaths yeah i, okay, I, yeah, okay, I just okay. I, I don't know look man i, I just I hate this thing with a yeah i mean like, yeah yeah I, it's, it's it's beyond us isn't it but if it brings young people into the game hopefully they don't watch the stupid shit and or do uh, the stupid shit yeah anyway. well that too yeah, yeah. anyway the basketball yeah, no, fair, fair. Yeah, anyway, I don't, I don't want to <laughs> spend 10 minutes ranting about TikTok because it's shit. 
So the basketball itself has been superb. Yes, absolutely it has. It really has. Like We won't talk about every single team in depth, but just kind of want to take a look at some of the early observations. Probably need to start with the Hawks. Yeah, 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 yep, yep, sure. They've started superbly well. I said they were my favourite going into it. They've got three straight wins to start the year. Tyler Harvey's been as advertised. He's not shooting an amazing clip yet, but he's a bucket getter. I'll tell you what, I watched their game against New Zealand and he will shoot a teardrop from anywhere on the court. He, oh. you, you inbound it to him and he'll shoot a teardrop from the other side of the court. Yeah, he's, He loves the teardrop and he's shot. Got a, and he's very good at it yeah, too. Like some sword. of those angles, yeah. They're really, really good. By the way, they're showing his Illawarra on NBL.com today. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on, NBA? Yeah. Mind you, they're also showing the bloody um, jack jumpers on there as well. Yeah, okay. So yeah. they're jumping the gun there. Yeah, Just- jack jumping the gun. Jack <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Justin Simon, I mentioned he was going to be a defensive beast. He had five steals against Brisbane, four blocks against Cairns. Emmett Nas had a couple of really good games off the bench. They're super deep. Their offense is flowing. 90 or more points in all three of their games. The only other team that scored 90 or more in all of their games so far, the New Zealand Breakers, and they've played one game. Yeah. yeah. So they've been brilliant. Yeah, and I saw most of their game against Brisbane too. So I've got to see a few games. And and yeah, both the Hawks and New Zealand look like interesting teams. Yeah. Yeah. Melbourne United, they've just finished their second game. They're still undefeated. Jock Landau yeah, will be Jock happy. Landau, yeah. They yeah. were very lucky, though. Cairns actually had a shot to win it through Scott Machado. Oh, speaking of Cairns, how was that dunk from Cam Oliver the other day? Pretty special. Oh, Pretty special. He should be in the NBA. Yep. He should be in the NBA. He should. He should. Going back to the United team for a, a quick second, though, imagine saying Scotty Hobson would go two of nine in their first game and they'd still win by 24. Yeah. Yeah, huge. Oh, that's that game against Adelaide. It was. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I saw that one too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A big fan of Hobson. Yeah, and you had you know Joe Luwala Chul has gone for sixteen and twelve in seventeen minutes in that game. So many good bigs. Yep. Shea Illy looks like the tall black Illy that we were used to. Yeah. Yep. It's it, it's been a great start to them in those two games. I mean, the Wildcats were a little bit patchy yesterday getting their first win, but we've obviously done well getting John Mooney in. John Mooney was a beast on the offensive or on the boards in general, wasn't he? He was fantastic. We finished with 13 and 14. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of great plays. Oh, (laughs) followed his own three-point shot with a follow-up dunk. That was magnificent. I think I've seen that once ever. Oh, it was that was huge. It's so funny. I was watching with my mum and brother who aren't big basketball fans. They're kind of casual fans. And neither of them, you'd, you'd think that nothing happened at all. And I'm going mad. I'm like, what? Are you guys, are you guys watching the same game? Like, what the hell? That was nuts. Yeah. That was pretty crazy. And I mean, obviously, we can talk about Bryce Cotton. He was superb as usual, 27 points. Absolutely. Smashed Kiefer Sykes in the point guard battle, 27 to 10. Sykes is very good defensively, though. He is. Yeah. Just unfortunately, uh, not against Bryce Cotton. Yeah, no. But, well, but who is? Yeah. But I think one of the big things that won't get mentioned as much is the impact of Tom Jervis off the bench. Well, it's a different team without him. Because like I said, there's so many bigs in this league. So many bigs. Even for Brisbane, even uh, Tyrell Harrison, who's only playing because Hodgson is injured, he was fantastic for the Bullets in that game that I saw as well. So, yeah, it's thank God that the Wildcats have Jervis. We need a big like him. I mean, he played eight minutes. He had eight points and four offensive yeah, rebounds at yeah, that yeah. time. And well, he smashed them on the board. Very, too. very timely yeah. points as well. So, yeah, I'm very, very impressed with that. I mean, Adelaide, their home court decal has been causing problems. Apparently, people slipping on it. They reckon it's a... Yeah, the commentators you know, mentioned it's that. It's an Achilles waiting to happen. Not nearly as big a problem as Daniel Johnson's been. I you know, mentioned he's, he's like fine wine. He keeps getting better with age. And Sam Froling looked excellent too. He's blocking shots with both hands. 
that's that's impressive. That's tough to do. Yeah, he was he was. I was very impressed. I think he's jumped ahead of Harry actually. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. He's not as big. They have very different body shapes, but I was very impressed with Sam Froling. Have you noticed that Donald Sloan's been relegated to the bench already, though? Mm. So one of my predictions might come true that he yeah. might be gone. Before yeah. Well, it's possible. Halfway through the season. Yeah. I mean, I think if you look at it, though, I mean, we won't necessarily go into every other team, but. I think every team is kind of where they should be. New Zealand have played their only game on the road so far. You'd expect to, to lose that. They'll be playing their season on the road, Stewie. Yeah, true. <laughs> okay, so maybe they won't finish top four. Then. Um, Brisbane have played two games, both at home, but against the Hawks. So no surprise they've lost those. The Taipans, Kings, Phoenix, they're all kind of working out some stuff at the moment. So I think their moves up the ladder could potentially happen later in the season. But I think one really cool thing to round out the NBL quickly... Thaddeus Young is now a minority owner of the Brisbane Bullets. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, it happened uh, over the last few days, which I think is a really, really great sign. There's more and more American money pumping into the NBL. It's great with the next stars. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's great to see how many of these NBA players are recognising how big this league is. Yeah, yeah. So, great news. So very, very good news for Thaddeus Young, who's still playing as well. So, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, there yeah. you go. So, Stewie, I've got a nice little transition from NBL to NBA. Former NBL player Jason Tate had a bit of an opportunity to play for Houston after that trade, and he, he took it with both oh, hands, yes, didn't he? he so he was very good. But Houston's not the team we want to talk about, is it? No, it's uh, it's a team involving one of his former teammates, yes, unfortunately. Yes, indeed. We do have to obviously talk about it. There's no COVID update this week, which is great, though. Yes, yep. a few, a few more, Lots of postponements. A few more postponements, yeah, nothing yeah. major. Yep. But no, we, we do have to obviously talk about something we spoke about last week. We asked the question, which of the big three would take the step back in terms of the scoring? And it seems the answer was not what we thought. It seems it might be James Harden. Early days, we can't get too far ahead of ourselves. But yes, but early days, that is that is true. Well, if you look at it, in the first two games against the Magic and the Bucks, it was just Harden and Durant that played. So obviously James put up big numbers, 32-point triple-double against Orlando, 34-12 and 12 assists against Milwaukee. Then Kyrie came back. In game one against Cleveland, and we'll talk about those games in a second. Oh, yes, we will. Yes, we will. Harden had a triple-double, but he only took 14 shots. Durant and Irving took 25 and 28, respectively. So nearly double for both of them. Game two without Durant this time, Harden still only took 14 shots to Kyrie's 24. And then against Miami, Durant had 19, Irving had 17, Joe Harris had 14, Jeff Green and Harden had eight Mm. eight shots yep. this is a guy who's averaged more than 20 shots a game the last three seasons and all of a sudden 12 shots a game the last three he's he's happy to defer I mean he's averaging less than 16 shots a game well even in that double overtime thriller against Cleveland he only took 14 shots exactly in double overtime do you know Kyrie Irving hasn't taken less than 16 shots this season Harden's averaging less than that. Yeah, it's averaging. interesting. It's interesting. So, uh, yeah. But the offense isn't the problem, is it, Stewie, as we alluded to last week? Well, no, it's, it's definitely not. The defense is the big issue. It and, sure is. And, I mean, how ugly were those two losses against Cleveland? Yeah, so let's go first. The first game with all the big three playing together for Brooklyn. Brooklyn 135, Cleveland 147, granted, in double OT. Then the second game between those teams... Brooklyn 113, Cleveland 125. The only team in the league prior to those games to be averaging less than 100 points. That is not a good sign when Brooklyn are allowing that many points to a pretty average team. Now, 
quick side note, Colin, Colin Sexton. Yeah. I mean, we, we joked at the start of the season how him being the face of the franchise is not an amazing thing. He's balling this year. I mean, he has taken this huge step. Yeah, well, he had 42, 5 and 5 in that double overtime game. He's averaging nearly 27 points a game, shooting 52 from the field, nearly 47 from deep. He abused Kyrie in, in both of those games, really. And we have to remember, the Cavs selected Sexton with a pick that they received from Boston in the trade for Kyrie. Mm. So he also wears number two, which Kyrie wore. Mm. And he's carrying an otherwise fairly average Cleveland team like Kyrie did in the early years before LeBron came back. Mm, interesting. So, you know, there's a few parallels between their, their early careers. but You reminded me, uh, granted it's out of turn, but... Um... The Bills traded the 10th pick to the Chiefs for the pick that became Mahomes. So there, that was an interesting story in that game. Yeah, so it's funny when these things There's happen. so many of those things. Yeah. You talk about the defense in particular, though. I mean, Cleveland attacked him in the paint. The second game, they actually won the paint points 70 to 46. I mean, it's kind of nice to see it's not going to be a cakewalk. Oh, that's huge. Yeah, that's a massive disparity. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they do have a lot of centers. They do. They do. <laughs> But uh, I've actually, I've got a few things I kind of want to quickly rattle off. Cleveland have traded Kevin Porter Jr. to Houston for a heavily protected second round draft pick. Yes. Basically showing Porter what they think of him after that huge outburst and screaming match he had with the officials last Friday. So another win for Houston. And I, I have a feeling he may have been saying things behind closed doors that were ruffling feathers too. So I think that wasn't an isolated incident. No, I don't think so. Shout out to Paddy Mills, becoming the all-time leader in three-pointers off the bench with one team, passing former teammate Manu Ginobili's old mark of 929. Oh, I've got a Spurs stat for you, Stewie. Go for it. Players with 15 or more points, seven or more rebounds, and five or more assists, and one or more steals per game. DeJounte Murray, Giannis, and Jokic. When you throw in less than two turnovers, DeJounte is the only player in the league with those stats. Nice. Yeah, he's becoming an elite player. And people forget when we did miss the playoffs, he missed a significant amount of time. Now, speaking of three-pointers, as as we were sort of talking about before that stat, I know it's early in the season, but geez, how outrageous are the three-point percentages? There's some good shooting going on. There is. Do you remember when 40% was considered elite? Oh, yeah, absolutely. 41% wouldn't even have you in the top 50 in the league right now. 50? Top 50. (laughs) Wow. So Paul George is shooting a 50-50-90 at the moment on nearly 16 attempts a game and nearly eight threes a game. Decent sample. Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, who you remember stunk up the bubble last year. We called him Caldwell-Poop at one stage. (laughs) He was playing that badly. He's at nearly a 55-55-90. And Seth Curry is a hair under a 60-55-100 at the moment. Wow. So keep it going, boys. The yeah, yeah, amazing. yeah. At the other end of the spectrum, unfortunately, is Giannis Antetokounmpo's free throw shooting this season. Of the 121 guys who qualify, Giannis is ranked 117th in the league at 58.3%. Oh, that's leaving points on the court. He has dropped free throw percentage-wise the last four seasons yeah, now. Yeah, that's, that's so unusual. Should be going the other way. It should be. Yeah. Now, this was highlighted by a game against Dallas last week where he went one of 10, only the fourth player in the last 25 seasons to shoot 10% or worse, joining Shaq, Andre Drummond, and surprisingly, Al Horford. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, people have bad games. You I could... thought you were going to say Chris Dudley there. Well, well it's a bit beyond 10 years. But... <laughs> oh, 10 years. Sorry, yeah. I missed that bit. You kind of wonder if there might be a hacker Ante Tokotomitu coming up <laughs> at some stage <laughs> to force him out of the game. Well, yeah. It? Hey, it's possible. It is possible. Now, we also have to mention briefly Clint Capella. 
Dude had a 27.26 rebound game, the first 25.25 rebound five block game since Shaq in 2004. And Capella joined Shaq, Dikembe Mutombo, Patrick Ewing, and Hakeem Olajuwon, very good company, yeah. as the only guys to do so in the last 35 years. Right, right. Well, do you remember when we did our season in review and I was looking at the Rockets, like the high scorers, high rebounders, consistently getting 15, even 20-plus rebounds. I still don't know why Houston got rid of him. I actually had a look at Atlanta's, and he is, every game that he's played, I believe, he's led yeah. them in rebounding. Well, there it's, you go. It's nuts. Yeah. But he then followed that up with a 13.19 rebound, 10-block triple-double two nights later. Yeah. His first career triple-double as well, I will say. Yeah. At the start of today, there have been 2,711 triple-doubles in NBA history. Capella's just the 33rd player to do it with blocks. Wow. And he also joined Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the only guys in the last 50 seasons with 45 rebounds and 15 blocks in a two-game span. Nice. Pretty crazy. Yeah, good company. (laughs) Yeah. Now, a couple of kind of random things to quickly finish this off. I'm not a fan of Draymond Greens. I think it's pretty well documented that neither of us are. I don't hate him as much as you. Okay, there you go. Yeah. But he did lose his team of finals by kicking LeBron in the balls. He did. Yeah. But did you see he got ejected against the Knicks during the week for yelling at James Wiseman, his teammate? Well, I've heard about this and apparently the umpire thought he was yelling at him and he did apologize to the team after the game. But that really cost them in that game. Yeah, it did. It, it did. Really and well, did. full credit to the ref for apologising because he thought he was yelling at him. Yeah. So that so it, we'd be really worried if that was setting a precedent. But actually, there's been clarification on that but one. But it's just crazy getting thrown out for yelling at your teammate. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets home court, they have absolutely doused it with that teal and it nearly gave me a fucking seizure the other day. <laughs> it was, oh my God, it was horrible. I, my eyes were burning. It was horrible. So I just, just wanted to throw that in. And then a couple of little stats to finish it off. Miles Turner, still going on over four blocks a game. Nice. Really cool. Larry Nance leads the league in steals at the moment. Wow. Which is pretty nuts. And because... Larry was, Nance Jr., we must say, after talking about parents with kids. Very true. Very yeah. true. That was... Most remiss, parents have kids. Remiss of me to yeah. drop, the, drop the junior. Yeah. And because he was injured for the playoffs last season, Ben Simmons has never lost to a team with Kemba Walker on the roster. Well, there you go. In his career. There you go. And now, what made Stu say bloody hell? Well, the bloody hell this week absolutely has to go to American golfer Mark Hubbard, or more specifically, his final putt of a tournament. (laughs) So to set the scene for this, Hubbard was playing in the American Express tournament at the PGA West private course in La Quinta in California. Now, Hubbard wasn't playing horrendously, but he wasn't tearing the course up either. He followed a first round four under par with a four over second round, missed the cut. But on the 18th green and about seven or eight feet from the hole, <laughs> you're already laughing because this is just so yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Hubbard brought out a putting style I've never seen before. So he started by kind of gyrating his butt a little bit. <laughs> twerking? Twerking a little bit. Yeah, like a, like a golfer's, <laughs> Not that far. golfer's twerk, basically. Like a golfer's clap. Is <laughs> yeah, quite okay. yeah, it's kind of oh, like fair that. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he's taken his right hand off the club and made a circle with it like he was polishing a car bonnet whilst making the hang 10 sign. It's really, really weird. It was like when you held a cup of tea with the little pinky out. Yes. That's what it looked That's like. That's what, yes. Yeah. But it got even weirder from there. He's leant over his club like he was going to pick his ball up and then hooked the bottom of the putter with just his pinky. Yeah. Before swinging and unsurprisingly missing the putt. <laughs> Announcer Terry Gannon said what everyone was thinking simply, what? <laughs> Followed by, what the heck is that? By analyst Kurt Byram. And 
That's next level right there from Trevor Immelman, a South yeah. African. Mm, yeah, of course. Hubbard went on social media to try and explain it, but it's just one of the most bizarre things you'll ever see on a golf course. Now, I use a broomstick putter when I play, and I still feel weird using it, but that was that was next level. Absolutely nuts. And they, yeah. they call it the snail putt. Yeah. Because okay. it's because of the pinky kind of looking like the antenna uh, on, a, okay. on a snail. Okay. So I guess for introducing us to the putting style, none of us knew we ever needed or want to use. All I can say is bloody hell bloody hell well it's been another big week Shui, which is why we haven't talked about the cricket and we'll certainly give it a lot more attention next week as we head into the bbl finals but hey we've got to tip that hat india they won that fourth test it is quite remarkable in the last two day fives combined in the third and fourth test india were 10 for 561 that's impressive. on day five crumbling pitches that is phenomenal so Absolutely sensational to a win. Our hats are well and truly tipped to the Indian team. I have to say, this felt a lot like the Ben Stokes test at Leeds in 2019. Yeah. Now, obviously, Stokes did most of his damage nine wickets down. Rishabh Pant did most of his between five and seven down. But, you know, one wicket and it's all over effectively, regardless of the, the score. And I have to say, unlike the Leeds test, I was over the moon for India. Oh, yeah. No, I... I... Couldn't be happier for them. They really deserved it. It was a sensational effort. When you think about all the players that were missing, I mean, we talked about it all last week. It was against all odds, well and truly. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this was amazing for Test cricket in general to achieve what they did with maybe four first-choice players. Yep. With all the other factors like the quarantines and injuries, it was just remarkable. And as I mentioned last week, they've got some gems they've uncovered. Shubman Gill at the top of the order, Shutter, Thakur, Washington Don't call me Tupac. Yeah, <laughs> Washington Sundar, potential bowling all-rounders. Mohamed Siraj as, a, as an amazing strike bowler. Natarajan in the T20s, yep. Exactly. Yep. For the Aussies, on the other hand, I guess poor planning on day five. I mean, I spoke about how they needed to attack and it took until after lunch or possibly after tea before a bat pad even came in for Nathan Lyon. Oh, India timed it perfectly too, didn't they? They you really know? did. Yeah. They really did. Slips cordon were open for huge parts of the day. Balls flying through there. The lines bowled by Mitchell Stark on, on the fifth day and for most of the series for that matter were far too far outside off stump. Just a lot of stuff wrong. Yep. I, I would probably be saying as a selector... Warner, Labashane, Smith, Green, Cummins, Hazelwood and Lyon are probably safe. But you've kind of got to look at guys like Stark, Payne, Harris and Wade. Probably going to struggle. Harris and Wade were already on the outs, weren't they? they and were. Payne is probably a foot out the door too. But hey, Starkey, he can't... I love the guy, but you can't give him an automatic walk-up if he's not going to produce. You just can't. And maybe he's better in the short form than the long form. I, I like to hold out hope he'll still be good in the long form. But uh, yeah, he's he's hasn't had a great summer. Again, hats off to India. Absolutely superb series. Not, Amen. Not just yeah across the not just the matches. We talk well, they about, won the T Twenties as well as well as the Tests. They so, did. Yeah. And as we've said a number of times, to bounce back from scoring thirty six in an innings and not letting that completely ruin them with half a team with half a team is yeah. is just superb. And it was interesting on the grade cricketer a few weeks or late last year it was Greg. Chad Apple said that there's so many people in India, it's such a big game there that they could actually have the five best teams in the world if they could get their shit together. So that was an interesting insight. Yeah, wow. Yeah, well, I mean, we've seen some proof that they could probably do yeah. at, least, at least two. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. But yes, definitely a, a big, big week in cricket. We will talk at length about the big bash. And how shitty the final system is. Yes, probably. We'll probably talk about the entire season just as a bit of a wrap up. There's so much going on at the moment as we get towards the finals. And yeah, just really, really looking forward to talking about that already. All right, Stuart, you know what that music means. We've reached the end once again. What are you out for? 
Well, we'll talk about the BBL final series next week and how much we dislike it. But we've got the Eliminator, the Qualifier, and the Knockout coming up in the later stages of this week in the BBL, so hard to go past that. A couple of big derbies in Round 3 of the NBL, Melbourne United and South East Melbourne Phoenix, and you've got the Brisbane Bullets and Cairns Taipans, so some really yes, good stuff did. there. Yeah. How about yourself, mate? Well, as I said, I didn't get to watch any NBA last week, so I'll definitely make sure I watch at least one game. And if there is only one I can watch, it'll be the Lakers and Philly on Friday Australia time. But until then, I'm Nathan. And I'm Stu. We are the Sport Blokes.